0: Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for a wonderful time of worship that we've had already together. Thank you for the healing power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the redemptive power of his precious blood. Thank you, God, that you are such a reality in our world. And to think that we have the privilege of talking to you personally as, as a child to a father is nothing short of amazing. Thank you for the journey that we've been on as we've learned about your provision for us and, and living in this world, for the battle about good and evil as we see it played out even in our world today. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you right now and in the name of Jesus that you'll speak to our hearts about prayer. Bring out, Father, bring out something new for us today from your word. Because, Father, I'm asking for a hunger for prayer for me and for these dear folks and the ones that are listening on the radio this morning. Whatever it takes today to, to create a hunger, I'm asking that you'll do that. Father, prepare us. Prepare us for um, this message. Holy Spirit, would you charge the atmosphere? Would you feel your, your presence, fill this place? Would you speak to the hearts of folks? But also prepare us for the hours, days, weeks, months, years that you may give us after, Father, we leave this place today. May we leave with a a greater desire for prayer. And Jesus, I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming to Dorisville. And we are just about to wind up this long series that we've called Scar Wars. And we have talking about the battle of good and evil. And really for the last, I guess, six or seven weeks, we have been centering on the armor of God. And then today we want to talk about what, what at least some commentary talk about, the seventh piece. Of armor, we know there are six. We talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We talked about having the shield of faith and and the sword of the spirit. And and then we talk about this thing that is called prayer, prayer, because Paul is tied in right in verse number eighteen when he talks about and take up the the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. So there's not a break in the paragraph. There's not a break in the thought that there's there's a special equipping power in this thing that we call prayer. Now, there's a guy named Henry Blackaby. Now, some of you my age and even a little bit younger than me, probably will remember his name. I think back in the 19, early 90s, maybe, well, probably the early 90s, he um, wrote the Bible study that came to be named Experiencing God. And Henry Blackaby was a pastor up in Canada, in that middle part, Saskatchewan. I think is how you say it. I'm not, that's close for me. And he, he was just, is actually, just an incredible godly man. I mean, he had insights of the Word of God, insights into prayer, insights about this journey called discipleship that were simply just amazing. And God did use him through experiencing God to really speak to the hearts of countless thousands of people. And on your sermon sheet today, you're going to see just a couple of quotes from him. And it begins the first one talks about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Here, let me read part of it to you. It says this, Jesus taught that your highest priority must be your relationship with Him. Now, this isn't talking about that that relationship that occurs when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, turning from your sins and following Christ, it's not talking about that initial stage as much as the relationship, some would call it fellowship, but the relationship as it grows. Somewhere beyond, we talked about this several times, somewhere beyond that initial date in history, in the past, when you turned your life over to Christ and and you began the journey of discipleship with Jesus Christ. That journey as it's continued Henry Blackaby is saying that God, Jesus, wants that to be uh, your highest priority is that relationship. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. He goes on and says this If anything, if anything detracts you from that relationship, that activity is not from God. That is powerful. That is powerful. Because it, I, now, I, know, I guess I know some people, but I don't know very many people who aren't busy. Can I have an amen there? I mean, we all live these incredible... In this world we live in, I mean, it is an incredible, incredible world. You know, we're going to talk this afternoon about Marquita's life, and this is not part of the message, at least this part. But it's just a different world. And, and, and Paul and Dwayne and, and Cindy and Ellen were sharing with me when I was over there the other day at the house how that after church, virtually every week, particularly in the summer, but, but after church every week, that, that groups of people, large groups of people, would go over to their home and the pastor would go along and they would have homemade ice cream. It was like, it was like a weekly event Life was slower. You, you came to church and you went home and you had your fried chicken and your roast and you may have rested that afternoon and then you came back to church that night and you had your ice cream after church. And, and again, folks had energy and time for that because life simply wasn't as busy. And now it is. And now it is. So, so he says that if anything distracts you from that relationship, that activity is not from God. Because here's the deal. It's not only just the business, business of life, Sometimes it can be service. We've got to be careful. Can I tell you? You know, i know I'm Mr. Transparency. But as a young pastor, I remember, I mean, I'm telling you guys, there, literally, Judy will back this up. I, if, if whatever surgery you had, you know, and sometimes, ladies, you're getting your hair done on Friday, okay? I was there to pray for you, you know? But the cost of that was this. Um, I often would not have a time of prayer in the mornings. And I justified it with these words, God, you know I'm a busy pastor. And so I would begin my day hitting full hilt somewhere, whether to the office or to the hospital or to the nursing home or whatever, and I did not have a consistent prayer life. And somehow that seemed okay because I justified it with being a busy pastor pastor. I think that cost me. I think it cost me spiritually. I think it cost me in the value of leadership and wisdom. Um, it was very popular with the people because it seems like I was always there. But inside, I didn't have that spiritual vitality that we gain from prayer. So, so we got to be careful. Anything, including service, if you find yourself, if you open the reference guide and says, surf here, serve here, serve here, serve here, surf here. And some people do that and that's awesome. But if you know, well, you know what? I don't have the time to do a quiet time or to have that, that maintain a relationship with God, with Jesus, because I'm so busy, anything that detracts you from that relationship is not from God. In fact, he finishes by saying this, God will not ask you to do something that hinders relationship with Christ. So I'm asking you right off the right off the top. I mean, we're going to get the cream right off the top of the milk can this morning. How busy is your life, either secularly or in the kingdom work? Are you so busy that you can't maintain that relationship with God? Now I don't know. I like I say I, I I suppose second only second only to the, again the, the starting of that relationship through faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's anything more important to maintaining that journey with Christ, that discipleship journey, that sanctification journey, than prayer. Than prayer. I mean, I honestly believe that the value, the true value and power of prayer in that it makes our relationship with Jesus Christ so much more intimate. There is such power in prayer. There's power in prayer to heal and there's power in the prayer to see lives changed and there's power in prayer for all those things. But I wonder if one of the greatest values of prayer at least for individuals and perhaps for a church, a corporate body is that intimate conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you today how is that happening in your life? If you need a practical illustration, you know, in in the husband-wife relationship, I'm telling you, if there are not some intimate conversations, no matter what a good husband you are, or no matter what a good wife you are, no matter what a good dad you are, no matter what a good uh, mother you are, if there's not those some, at least, intimate conversations going on, it will definitely weaken and impact your marriage in a negative way. So prayer, I'm trying to say, is so very, very, very important. Now, Henry Blackman, this is also on your sheet, says this. Prayer is not... I'm sorry. Prayer is designed to adjust you to God's will. Prayer is designed to adjust you to God's will. Not to adjust God to your will. I like that one too. Prayer is designed to adjust me to God's will not me, or God, me to adjust God to my will. That's very, very powerful. So if we're not praying, if we don't have that intimate conversation thing going on, how in the world is God going to adapt us to His will? Because y'all do understand something, don't you? He's God and we're not. He's the creator and we are the created. Okay? I mean, He's the boss and we're the employee. All right, it's all, he is, he is, he is. And we are just privileged to be his children. So so how what, what's something new? We've taught a series on the Lord's Prayer this year. What is something maybe fresh today that we can bring from God's Word? And fortunately, we find it in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18 and verse number 19. There's some things there that we can learn, I think, today that will teach us the importance of this intimacy in prayer and the power it brings into our lives. Now in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18, it starts like this praying at all times. Praying at all times and in the in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. So after this big teaching session, session where, where Paul says, Now put on this and put on that and do this and do that, he says, Oh, oh, oh don't forget to pray. Don't forget the power and sufficiency of prayer. And, you know, we, remember we learned, do you remember back in oh, sometime like this year, we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, you know, you know, Paul said, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he said, pray without ceasing and be thankful in all things because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is a recurring theme with Paul, this idea of praying always. So when he writes it in Ephesians chapter 6, it's only different in the in the fact that it's in the context of spiritual warfare. It's in the context of spiritual warfare. Praying at all times. How is that practical? Well, you know, I, I decided it'd be, I mean, like real quick, to take a look at Jesus. Now, first off, if Jesus... God in the flesh, the son of God, thought prayer was important. It's probably ought to be important for us. If he, if he thought in his busy, you know, y'all say, well, Dwayne, you just don't understand my busy schedule. And you say, and I say to you frequently, those who know me go, you know, you just don't understand how busy pastors can be. You think our schedule was busy. Jesus was busy running the world. And touching life after life after life after life. And there are times when the Bible says, and he got up before, before daylight, and he went on to the mountain to pray. There are multiple times where, the, where the, the gospel writers say, Jesus prayed for hours. But that's not really the context here, because Paul says, praying at all times. But you know what's amazing to me? You know, he's standing... At the grave of a guy who's been dead for four days. That would be Lazarus. Martha has warned him. He said, roll the stone back. And Martha said, oh Lord, by now he stinketh. King James. So, he stinketh. And he says, roll the stone away. And he says something like this. He says, now Father, you know what I'm about to do And I know you always hear me, and I'm really, I'm not even praying this for that reason. I'm praying this that those that are standing around will know that you hear me. That's his prayer. I mean, he's fixing to raise a guy from the dead, and that's his prayer. It's like 21 words. I mean, wow. I mean, he's standing at a graveside. He's praying. I mean, at the world's biggest picnic, 5,000 guys show up. Their wives, their children. Some people estimate like 13,000. I mean, he says the blessing. I'm sure it wasn't God is great, God is good, let's thank him for his food. But I'm sure it was just like this. God, I'm asking you to bless, to multiply, and do your will, Father, of these folks. And like 13,000 people were fed. On the cross. We find praying on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not. What they do. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed a lot of short prayers and he prayed wherever the situation demanded it. That's the teaching of Paul. If you're going to write something down today, if you're like a note taker person, we need to learn the habit of short prayers. Now, that's, that's significant, let me make it clear. So, Dwayne, do I need the quiet time? You really do. I don't care if you need to get 4 o'clock in the morning. You need that quiet time. And it just makes logical sense, like Jesus got before it was daylight. It makes logical sense, if at all possible, to do that before the day starts. You might as well ask God to bless the day than rather to clean up the mess you've made at the end of the day. You might as well. So, if, if that's possible... And most times, somehow it is. Um, I get up about 5, 5.15, you know, before the world begins too much. So wh- however it works for you, that's important significant. But we've got to learn the habit of short prayers. We've got to get over the idea and the concept that you have to be on your knees, you have to close your eyes, and it has to include a lot of big words that nobody understands. Like, holy God... Thou wast who created thou the whole universalist thing. We've got to learn to just say, in fact, you know, Father, thank you for this day. Father, I love you. Father, I need you. That I'm telling you, I'm not saying we should be chatty with God, but I'm saying we need to understand that prayer is talking to the Father. And there's value, and there's there's value and there's power in that. And just like Jesus paused at a graveside, and just like Jesus paused at a picnic, and just like Jesus in the hour of his death paused to pray. We've got to learn the value of simply doing that. I mean, I'll give you a good start. I'll give you a good start learn to learn to see the hand of god everywhere and thank god when you see that hand everywhere just start with that cuz you're going if you will if you'll just become cognate of the world you're in you'll see god in so many places throughout the day and learn to say thank you and god i see your hand in that when when you meet someone and you're going through the line at walmart and and the person says something like this man my world, and this happens this happens you know you're sitting there and the cashier says something about yeah i'm really having a difficult day my, my my mother's dying oh my gosh it may not be appropriate right then to take her by the hand you know and lean across the aisle and have a four-minute prayer meeting it's probably not possible to do that but you can sure walk away from that and you could say i want you i'll be praying for you and as you're walking to your car just saying father please bless her she's hurting god be real to her in this hour are, are you getting it Are you understanding? Listen, there is significant power in that. There is significant purpose in that. That's why Paul said, praying at all times. And then he says, in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. All prayer, that simply is a general term for talking to God. I'm telling you, there's times when that's just appropriate. You just kind of talk to God like you talk to a friend. And that word, that word supplication, is specific. And there are times when specific. I'm going to talk about Marquita this afternoon. I really hope you'll come to that service because it will be a worship service. It really will be. You need to, you need to be there. That's one of the factors we had in dismissing evening services, because we're going to have worship at three o'clock at Dorsville Baptist Church. And she was such a prayer warrior. And her prayer list had, had such specific things written down. They found her prayer list. It was huge, and it was specific. So just learn that. Learn that. There's times when we have adoration. There's time we have confession. There's time we have supplication. There's time we have intercession in our prayer life. Paul says, but there are times, and we should have specific prayer requests. But then Paul said, at the middle there, he said, and don't forget, you need to pray in the Spirit. In the Spirit. I love that song that has Holy Spirit. You know, know, you're invited to the presence here. And man, it's amazing when you pray that the Holy Spirit fills the atmosphere. You know, the Holy Spirit plays a huge part in our prayer, a huge part. I know we Baptists are kind of he on the Holy, not he on the Holy Spirit, but his role. We shouldn't be because, again, last time I checked, Father, Son, He's one of the three. <laughs> you know, don't hurt His feelings here. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But, but, you know, in Romans chapter 8, and this is one we use all the time, but I really want you to get used to where you can go to Romans chapter 8 and say, I know this is the job of the Holy Spirit. I know this is the job of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words. This is Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I like that. I like that. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever run into that? You don't know what to pray for. You're not that wise. Maybe your emotions are totally out of control. You know, you don't know how to pray. And Paul's saying, We don't know how to pray sometimes. But just the thought as a believer in Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit living within him or her, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When when we don't know the words, the Holy Spirit goes beyond our words and intercedes for us. When you're sobbing, when you're sobbing at the bedside of your child with a 105 fever and words won't come, the Holy Spirit is interceding with words. When your student is in deep trouble, she's, she, he or she is following folks who are going to lead them down the wrong path and you're trying to help them to, to get back in the right path. You're trying to be a good parent. It seems like no matter what they, what you say, it's rejected. And you're, you're, not, you're, you're just beyond words to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes. How powerful is that? He goes on and says this in verse 27. Now He, God who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. This is the great thing about the Trinity. God knows the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And I'm sorry telling you this. The more we learn to pray in accordance with the will of God, the more radical our prayer lives are going to get. God doesn't hear too many prayers for pink Cadillacs. But He hears the prayer for the lost. He hears the prayer for missionaries on the battlefront in Central Asia. Because that is His will. I love, I love, I found this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 18. Listen, you got the whole trinity in here. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.18, For through Him, God, we both have access, I'm sorry, Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. So in the Spirit, through Jesus, and to the Father. And and the Holy Spirit is that that access It starts in the Spirit, praying in the name of Jesus to the Father. How powerful is that? I may not fully understand the Trinity, but it's awesome when the Bible just illustrates it and demonstrates it, such as in this verse. And then he gives us confidence. I like this one too. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit gives us that confidence when we pray that we're talking to our Father. You know, my dad's long gone, but can we for a moment pretend like he's still alive? And I go to my friend Brent and say, hey, Brent, dude, I need a hundred bucks. Brent is one of the most generous people I know. But he just might go, you know, I don't love many preachers. They have a bad track record. But if my dad was alive, I went, Dad, I'm I'm, I'm really in financial steeps. I need help. Could you loan me $100? I would go to my father without hesitation because he's my father. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that when we pray, yes, we're praying to the creator God of the universe, but we're praying to our father. In fact, we're praying to our dearest father, our Abba father. And that gives us confidence, not necessarily that I get the Cadillac I think I need. In praying for, no, that's health and wealth stuff. It doesn't work. But I'm going and praying to my Father, who knows me and who loves me, and for His glory and my good, as I pray in accordance with His will. Here's my prayer. How about that? How about that? Prayer is not a Christmas wish list. The Father is not a soda machine. Put your quarter in and get your drink. He's not Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, but He is your loving Father. And we, as His children, have the privilege to pray to Him. Then Paul says that in Ephesians 6, 18, the second part, he says, to that end, with all that in mind... Keep alert with all perseverance. Now, remember the wartime setting. A good soldier's always alert. So, so when you pray, always be alert, but pray with perseverance. Pray with stamina. Now, I'm almost going to pause. And if y'all disagree, you understand we don't always have to agree. I think we've got to get out of our heads that somehow, that if we beg God enough, he'll finally give in and give us what we want. That just doesn't fit the biblical description of a loving father. That somehow lines up with the idea of a tight-fisted father. And I just don't see God that way. The persistence in prayer is not if I beg him enough, he'll finally give in. It's the persistence of, Father, I trust you. Father, I know you're shaping my will to your will. I trust you, Father. I know you love me, Father. Thank you. I can call you, Father. Our persistence in prayer is affirming our relationship and identity with Him. There's a great parable that Jesus tells, and it's just, it's just kind of weird. I love it because Jesus sometimes tells weird stories. And Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Listen, wait, and this ought to grab your attention. Listen. He then told them, the disciples, he told the disciples a parable on the need. Someone say, need. So, so we're already doing away with the thought idea that prayer is optional. Okay? So he tells them this parable on the need for them to pray always and not to become discouraged. So Jesus tells this story with the end in mind that they need to pray always. And they should not become discouraged. Okay? What do we wrestle with? We pray once, and that's enough. It's not. And two, we get discouraged when things don't turn out the way we think they ought to. And that's because we don't understand that prayer is about intimacy intimacy with God. His will, not necessarily ours. So here's the story. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect man. I.e., this guy was a jerk. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Well, for a while, Jesus, the scriptures say, for a while he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, which by the way affirms those of us who have conversations with ourselves, I being one, he later said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect man, Yet because this widow keeps pestering me, keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. So finally the judge says, oh, good grief. She's not going to leave me alone. I'll give her justice. And then Jesus says something a little strange. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. How Interesting. Now, this is a classic example of our Lord and Savior teaching a great lesson from a bad example. He is not. He is not. He is not saying that God is like the unjust judge. He's not saying that if we pester God enough, He'll finally give us what we want. In fact, he's teaching the exact opposite. He's saying, you've got this picture of the unjust judge. Now imagine God as the exact opposite of that. If the mean old judge finally relents and says, all right, just leave me alone. How much in the opposite way of that is your loving all-wise, heavenly Father going to hear you? To give you everything you want? No. But as your will lines up with His will? Yes. Yes. In fact, He makes it clear. He goes on and says this. Will not God grant justice to His elect who cry out to Him day and night? Will He delay to help them? No, no. I tell you that He will swiftly grant them justice... But nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith on earth? And the answer is yes. If we, his people, live by faith. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Affirm your faith in the God who sent his son Jesus to die for you and who loves you every single day. And then Paul goes into verse 18, part C, and says, making supplication. Remember what supplication was? Specific request. Making specific requests for all the saints. All the saints. In other words, we've got to learn to practice praying for one another. Listen to James this is, in this, this is in the uh, message this afternoon. Confess your trespasses one to another. Oh, 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 I wish, I hope, I pray that we one day will be authentic with one another. That we'll learn to take off the plastic mask and just be authentic. So we can, we can just bear our hearts and souls to one another without fear of being judged or mocked or laughed at. I mean, we guys wrestle with this. We hide our emotions so well because we don't want to be mocked or laughed at or judged. It's so cool when God blesses you and gives you friends, a circle of friends where you can be really authentic and real. So pray for one another. And then that you may be healed. And the context here, again, is James chapter 5, is spiritual healing and physical healing. That you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman, may I add, avails much. Avails much. Markita had a prayer list. Dozens. Dozens, Brent, of names. Both sides. Some, she knew, needed to be saved. Some were struggling in their faith but dozens of names where she prayed daily for her brothers and sisters, particularly in Christ and those who needed Jesus Christ as Savior. She lived out, Ephesians six eighteen, c making supplication for all the saints. Our brothers and sisters need us to pray for them. But you know what? so do your pastors. So do your pastors. In verse 19 of Ephesians 6, Paul says this, and also, he says, while you're praying for all the saints, he said, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Friday, a dear sister showed up at my house. In her hand was a giant chocolate chip cookie and a tin full of chili and a card. And she said, I know Pastor Appreciation Month doesn't start until tomorrow, but I wanted to get an early start and say thank you. That's cool. So the whole month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And let's just cut to the chase. Y'all know I like presents. I think Brent does too. And I'm pretty sure David does. So it's okay. Just, just dump them on us. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. And you don't want me to talk about that. The Apostle Paul said, please pray for me. And I want to look you dead in the eye. And on behalf of David and Brent, I want to add my name to the pot and say, please pray for your pastors. Paul wrote in Romans 15, in verse 30, another time. You know, Paul was constantly praying, asking for help and asking for prayer. He said, here's what he said. Now, I beg you, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit. Now, that's not love for the Spirit. It's the, it's the love of the Spirit. So, so, like the fruit of the Spirit, love. So, through that kind of love okay, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, that you strive together. That is so cool in the Greek. The word is a severe effort. So what Paul's about to say, he's not saying casually. He's saying, I'm asking you, in fact, I'm begging you to make a severe effort. To do what, Paul? That you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. You pray with me in prayers to God for me. Paul is saying, while I'm praying for me, would you pray for me? While I'm praying for me, would you pray for me? I'm asking you directly today, would you pray for your pastors? Because I promise you, we're already praying about us. And I guess I need to say this, it's okay if we're amongst friends today. Don't pray about your pastors. God already knows all about us. If God did shake his head and go, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm he would do it. He doesn't do it, but he would. There's a world of difference when you say praying about and praying for. And I, Paul said it, and I want to affirm it. Would you please pray for your pastors? I love it. I've got a friend, and frankly... I don't see him about twice a year. But invariably, when I see him, here's what comes out of his mouth. Preacher, I want you to know. He has a little finger. I want you to know something. I pray for you every day. And you know what? I believe he does. I believe he does. The greatest gift. The greatest gift you can give your pastor is to pray for him. As you celebrate this Pastor Appreciation Month, and whatever that means, if it means something to you to do that, pray for your pastor. Paul says, here's several things. He says, pray that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. In other words, he had some who opposed him who were unbelievers, and he said, pray for me about that. Every one of us are engaged in spiritual warfare. But these three guys, these two guys I served with, and me being the third one, will tell you, sometimes there is intense spiritual warfare against our lives. And we need your prayers. We need your prayers. He said, he goes on and says this, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Pray that we might have an effective ministry. You know, Brent... Brent's fingerprint, you know, there's a reason he's called the Associate Pastor of Youth and Activities. His fingerprint is on so many things in this church, many you don't even know about. He's so much bigger than just the youth guy. And his fingerprints are all over that. Pray that he might be effective in all the tasks either assigned or that he simply takes upon himself. Pray that he might be effective. This guy sitting over here is our worship guy. It's so hugely important, that portion. Now, he's also education, and that's important too. But, but what happens as he leads us to the throne of grace is incredibly important. And it's different aspects. It's, it's, it's here. It's with this group of people. It's with this group of people. It's the ones who sing. It's scheduling that. I, I, as, I, as I watched, as, as David led us through worship today, I saw several songs that mentioned praying in Jesus' name, how he seeks God's leadership. Pray for him to be effective in worship. Now, watch this. This is probably not a good way to start Pastor Appreciation Month. It's not important you pray, God, I hope he sings the songs I like. Nor should you pray, God, I guess he'll sing the songs he likes. What you need to pray is, God, lead our worship leader to sing sing the songs that you like. That you like. It's not about us. It's not about us. When we gather in this room, we are here to praise the king of the universe. So pray for him. I guess my main gig, I guess, of course, is leadership, but it's what we do here. And I beg your prayers. I beg your prayers. I am so emphatically convinced that prayer and the Word of God are huge in the life of any church. And I have learned something. During this study of good and evil, and when we were talking about Satan, he got mad. He got mad. And... I'm not sure Satan was messing with me, but one of his demons was. So it's important. Pray for me that I'll be an effective leader. Pray for, for me that I will be effective teacher of the word of God. I kind of summed it up in three prayer requests. For all three of us, pray that we'll have a leadership and wisdom, wisdom and leadership. Pray that we will understand. When we meet, when we talk, when we plan, pray that we'll have the wisdom of the leadership for the Dorsville Baptist Church. Um, Pray we'll have focus and mission. Focus and mission. You know, it's awful easy to get distracted. (laughs) Right, guys? It's awful easy. So pray we'll be focused on the vision that God has given us for the church to keep us on track. And then pray for protection and strength for our families. It's not easy living in a glass house. Um, you know, being such public, but you need to pray for our families. Don't mess with our families and pray for our families. Don't mess with our families and pray for our families. Because Satan knows that if he can get to one of our kids or one of our spouses, he'll get to us. This is important, guys. Now again, if the mighty, incredible, powerful, strong apostle Paul said, I'm begging you to pray for me. It seems very appropriate that these three weak pastors, very human pastors, need to beg you for your prayers. It's really important. In fact, have you figured it out today? Time to wind this wind this clock up. Have you figured out yet? Prayer is important. There's just nothing greater than you can do than pray for your wife or your husband. There's just nothing bigger you can do than pray for your children. Pray for your students. Hey, grandparents, there's nothing more important you can do than pray for your grandkids. This is a big, big deal. One more Henry Blackaby thing, and we'll call it a day. He says, our difficulty is not that we don't know God's will. Our discomfort, I like that word, our discomfort comes from the fact that we do know his will, but don't want to do it. Remember back when I told you about 1 Thessalonians 5? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in everything for this is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We need to become a stronger praying church. And by God's grace, as a senior pastor and as our dear youth and activities, Guy and our dear worship pastor, we will seek God's will according to the word of God and through prayer to lead our church to become a stronger force for the kingdom of God than ever before in the days, weeks, and years to come. And I hope you'll pray for us as we attempt that. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you much. Thank you, Father. I feel like the disciples that day when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like like John taught his disciples to pray. And Father, I asked you before the service that you take us where we had not gone too much before. And I think you've done that. Jesus, thank you for your example, both in long prayers and short prayers. Thank you for that. Thank you for teaching us to pray for one another and how appropriate that the lady's life we're going to celebrate was that kind of a prayer warrior. Thank you for that. And Father, and this I mean, we are so blessed, all three of us guys that serve here. We are so blessed to serve at this church. You have done incredible things and we confess it certainly is not us. (laughs) It is you. It's not even the good folks that you sent our way. It's you. To you be honor, glory, and praise for it all. So, Father, I thank you for the congregation that you've given us. But, God, I'm also thankful that I feel with confidence that we'll leave here today. I know many people, many people pray for us daily. But, Father, I pray for an increased prayer support. In these days when culture is falling apart, in these days when the world literally seems to be falling apart around us, Oh, how we need the prayer support of the saints that we call family. So we pray God for them that they will pray for us. Now, Lords, we have this decision time, pray you'll have your will in the lives of folks. If there's someone here who needs Jesus, that they'll be drawn by your Holy Spirit to the Father. Someone here you're called to join our church fellowship or perhaps be obedient in baptism. Or maybe God, Someone who just needs to come and pray. This is your time to allow folks to do what you want to do in their lives. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.